everybody, and welcome to the Money Made Easy podcast. Every week, we will catch up with all things money, honey. It's your hosts, Angelica and Tisha. We're coming to you anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also follow along with us on Instagram at Money Made Easy Podcast and also on our website at MoneyMadeEasyPodcast.com. We'll be talking all things money, earning it, saving it, and investing it in the easiest way possible. Our goal is to educate, uplift, and empower you to feel confident in your financial decisions. Now, you may be asking yourselves, are you both money experts? (laughs) Heck no, not even close. We're far from it. We will be bringing on some of the best experts in the biz to set you up for success. Now, on to this week's show. All right. Well, we are so excited and honored to have Miss Andy Sloot on the podcast today. Andy, do you want to introduce yourself a little and tell everyone about who you are and your background? Sure. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be on here. Um, So as you already mentioned, my name is Andy Sloot. I'm a financial advisor with Ameriprise Financial currently. A lot of people ask me how I got into this business or if I really knew this is what I wanted to do. And I always tell them and my clients that definitely not. I totally backed into this career and did not even go to school for finance or economics like many financial advisors do. Um, I actually spent quite a few years in the insurance industry. That's kind of how I got my start into this world, if you will, around the same time, I was making decent money and going through what I call all of the adult life decisions, like buying a house and buying a car and started becoming really aware of my financial organization and what I was trying to save for, what that looked like. So really dug in, started reading a bunch of books. And I always joke that Um, you know, it took so much time that I turned it into a career because it's just, there's so much out there. And I actually really did find my passion in in this career, being in the insurance industry Um, was a good introduction into understanding people's need on that level. But I also Mm -hmm. see a lot of things being proposed without actually understanding an individual's comprehensive financial need or their situation. I really wanted to get into a more comprehensive role where I could ask the questions and I really could dig deep and get to know my clients and what, you know, what their psychology of money is and what their goals and dreams are. Um, so yeah, that's, it's kind of a non-traditional way of stepping into the business, but I, I absolutely found my passion. I knew that I was um, good at numbers and science thought that made me a good fit for engineering, which is what I started out with. Uh, luckily, I, I found my passion. So. Awesome. That is so cool. We're, we're all about the non-traditional f- finding your way into anything. <laughs> right? I how long was more, way more authentic. Yes. And how long have you been uh, in uh, or how long have you been a financial advisor? Have you always been with Ameriprise since you've um, been in the financial planning business? 
Yeah, so I did. I went right into Ameriprise. Just uh, they kind of fit my whole philosophy of how I wanted to approach servicing clients with the comprehensive planning. They're a big uh, planning firm. And to just investment management, having this really high threshold before you can actually become a client. Um, so it's a great place for me to start out. I've been fully licensed Series 766 insurance, all that, for two years now. So super exciting. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. Well, today we're going to focus on savings accounts and kind of how to start one, where to find them. You know, I mean, there's so many different options of different savings accounts. And um, yeah, I think it's important, even if you're saving like $10 a week or whatever it is, it's important to, you know, be putting your money somewhere. So Andy here is going to tell us all about the different lovely savings accounts and whoever's (laughs) listening can then, you know, hopefully figure out what is the best savings account for you and um, based on these different comparisons. Yeah. So I think that the biggest thing to think about when you're thinking about what account you want to actually save in there, there are two kind of components to it. One, you want to make sure to get to a point where you're automating your savings um, into your savings, right? So whether you're a financial advisor or financial planner, or whether you are just really trying to stick to, like you said, $10 a week, Uh, making sure that you set that up to just direct deposit or direct transfer into your savings account, super important. But as far as what account you actually want to use, you always want to be conscientious of interest rates, right? There's a great, um, if you ever come into my office, we pretty much have whiteboards in every single room because uh, we love to doodle. Mm -hmm. We illustrate basically everything. And um, there's a great illustration to talk about the different levels of interest. When you think about the big banks, um, the biggest thing here is that they pay you, let's say, 0.01% mm-hmm. on your savings account, okay? Inflation, which is just the rate of which things increase in price. So a gallon of milk today is not going to be the same price as a gallon of milk in five years. Average inflation is anywhere from 2 to 3%. So if your money is sitting in an account earning you 0.01%, you're actually losing money. And I meet with people all the time, and we always have this conversation as to people live on two sides of the spectrum with their cash. And you always want to have cash on hand because liquidity is important. Um, but sometimes people don't really have enough or people hold on to a lot, a lot of cash because they're worried about not having that, especially with entrepreneurs and variable income people like real estate agents or sales reps. Mm -hmm. Um, They always keep a ton of cash in their accounts. And if you're keeping hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash in an account earning 0.01%, you are losing money every single Every single day that passes by, you're losing money. And really, it's just because you're losing the value of what that money is going to purchase. So looking for a a savings account that actually keeps up with that inflation rate so you're not going to get anything um, too sexy out there, right? Mm -hmm. Especially with the environment that we're in right now where interest rates are falling. 
great for debt, not so great for what we call high yield savings accounts. Mm -hmm. So high yield savings accounts is going to have something like two, two and a quarter percent that it's paying you on your money, right? You're not going to get, we're no longer in the 80s where you could put your money in a CD and get seven, eight percent. Um, unfortunately, two to three percent is a great number um, for liquid, liquid cash. So there's all kinds of um, accounts out there, but just look for a high yield savings account. And again, monitoring the maintenance fees that you're paying on those types of accounts. There are plenty out there that don't have fees like the $10 a month or the $100 a year. Um, on top of that or to actually hold your money in there um so so make sure that you're choosing one that doesn't really have that another thing you want to think about is fdic insurance so big banks bank of america chase things like that are fdic insured which is which just means that your cash is protected and has insurance on it up mm. to 250000 So choosing a, an account that's going to have that insurance on your money, if you will, um, is another component that you want to think about. So interest rate, uh, FDIC insured, and maintenance fees. Those are the three things that you want to think about of where you're saving your money. Awesome. That is such good advice. Uh, I was very proud of myself and I recently opened my first savings account. Um, <laughs> I did a lot of research right. and I found, uh, I found one, one of the online ones that was um, 2.3% as long as you make a mm -hmm. hundred dollar deposit each month, which that's one of my goals is to, you know, do that anyway. That was already a goal of mine. So it fit in perfectly. Of course, now I'm sitting here and I'm like, I hope it's FDIC insured. I don't know. I'm going to have to go check that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those are things. Is know, that there's something, so much out there. Yeah. Is that something, uh, aren't, aren't most don't banks have to be FDIC, FDIC insured. This is, this is Not why we have, this is why we have a show where we're asking these questions because yeah. we're learning yeah. right along with our audience. So. Yeah. So. Yeah, not necessarily. It's, um, you know, we live in a great country that allows a lot of people to open companies and you're having a lot of these companies pop up um, that deal with money, but they're not necessarily regulated in the same way just because of their business structure. So, um, and, and the type of product it could be on the back end, you know, uh, it's, it's just important to look out for that. Right. Some of them, some of them have the, what they'll call the full backing of the company itself. So the full financial backing of the company itself, um, which is also good. But if it's a newer company, that doesn't really mean much. Okay, so I've got some checking to do after we get off this podcast. <laughs> there you go. That's what it's for, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was very proud of myself, though, for uh, doing the research, and 2.3% was the highest one that I could find. So yeah. I was yeah, I was proud of that. <laughs> That's great. That's a great one. And um, just to – because. I was having a conversation with somebody recently and I think it's why I hadn't previously started one. And it was that whole, 
if you put your money in a savings account, you can't even keep up with inflation. But I do feel like it's very important to still put your money in one because it's like you said, especially if it's on direct deposit, then it's out of sight, out of mind where, um, that's a, I think that's so important for so many people because if they aren't doing it automatically mm-hmm. or if, especially if they aren't making a point to do that, then that money gets spent. <laughs> they mm-hmm. spend it if it's just in their regular account and it's not being saved. So if they, even if it's not keeping up with inflation, it's getting some and it's more than if it's just sitting in a checking account. So the, the, even if the 2.3, you know, if inflation is, uh, I think, think when I checked, cause I did when my, when I was having this conversation, after having this conversation, I got on and at that time it said inflation was like at 1.7. And so I was like, yes, I'm getting like 0.6 percentage. You know, I'm keeping up with inflation right now. <laughs> um, but it's the mindset of setting money aside, not mm-hmm. spending the money. And um, so even if it's to, you know, save enough to where you can then invest it in something where you can get a higher return on your, you know, but if you don't have, if you don't start saving um, and you don't just happen to have a thousand dollars or $10,000 to invest, um, then at least if you're if you have a savings account and you're putting money towards that, then you are you are moving forward in a positive way with your money. I feel like that's um, that's where for me I needed to get my mindset because mm-hmm. um, otherwise, yeah, it's gonna get spent if it's just in the regular account. It's it, and so at least if it's in out of sight, out of mind, in a separate account. And it's, and I've got a goal that I'm going for. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I mean, hundred dollars a month, you don't, I mean, it seems like like if you're first starting to save and it seems like a lot, but if you break it down between days and weeks of the month, like that's $25 a week. I mean, easily spend that on lunch, you know, or (laughs) coffee throughout the week. So, I mean, just setting that aside and doing the direct deposit, like you said, is just a con, like it's, you're not even really seeing the money, you know, so you're like, oh, cool. I've just saved $500 in five months. There you go. I know. It's more than you ever had before. So (laughs) exactly. (laughs) So when you think about savings account, you know, your, your cash is always, um, you always want to think about savings in buckets, right? Mm -hmm. You have your immediate, your less than one year cash emergency fund, which is what you're going to use the savings uh, account for. And then you have your one to five year bucket and then you have your five year plus, right? So like that, those savings accounts are meant only for the money that you need within the next year. Okay. So if you're saving, if you've already established an understanding what your emergency fund should be, you know, three to six months, sometimes it's a full year that you're saving, you know, for entrepreneurs. Um, understanding what that number is, that's what you utilize savings accounts for, that that short-term bucket. Um, long-term buckets, when you actually start saving and you actually want to grow your money to be used 10 years down the road, then 
that's when you get into investment accounts and there are, that's a, that's kind of a different conversation, mm-hmm. right? But talking about that short-term bucket, that under a year bucket, that savings, um, you also, we always like to think about three components when we're talking about cash. That's liquidity, how quickly can you access it? Protection, that's that FDIC insurance that we talked about, right? Money market, things like that. <laughs> yep. And interest rate, obviously, which is what we already talked about. Mm-hmm. Now, a portion of that cash that you're keeping on hand might not be in that high interest yield account. Because maybe that high high That's yield okay. savings account is um, maybe only a third or half of what your total cash savings is, right? Because it's out of sight, out of mind, and maybe maybe it doesn't hit your bank account for 24 hours when you initiate that transfer. Maybe there's a there's another level of protection, so it can't be easily used. But you have a good chunk of your cash in that just typical savings account earning that ugly 0.01 interest, but because that's there for new tires, for when the car breaks Mm -hmm. down, for when you need to replace the AC and you need to swipe that card and the money's there. Um, So breaking it up in that aspect too is also helpful going back to that easily accessible uh, component of your savings. Which I can withdraw my money at any time in this one that I've got it in. So that was something that, you know, because I'm, that's, I'm building my emergency fund. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm also going to use it because I'm going to save, I want to pay cash for my next car. mm -hmm. So is that another good way to do that? Which, or is there a better savings account that you would recommend for something like that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great goal. Yep. That's, that's awesome. Um, And if you can access it, um, and you know you're going to need it, you know, within this year, then yeah, absolutely take full advantage of that high yield savings account. Um, but if you're trying to save and going back to that mindset of your of how you're spending your money, if that's what you're trying to overcome, you need to hide it from yourself a little bit better. If you're saving for a very intentional goal and you know you're going to pull out that money at a certain time, oh yeah, access that high yield as much as possible. But if you're just trying to start and start to a point where you're putting money away and not getting it right back out that next month, you need a, a, another barrier. Oh, I'm not yeah. getting it out. Definitely not. There you go. <laughs> Good. I'm glad that you're already in that, in that oh, mindset. Oh, no. Yeah. Definitely not getting it out. <laughs> yeah. My savings account that I've had for years, um, ever since I was a kid, it like basically blocks you after 10 or I think five. I think it's five transfers. So you can't do anything more than five, which I still feel like is a lot per month for a, a savings account. And it's one of those that you make 0.01%. So it's horrible, but um, I'll have to talk to you about that. Um, you to a higher yield savings account. Yes. <laughs> um, but I, I always am very aware of that. And I also just like to play my games with myself like, oh, no, I'm not going to dip into savings. Like, I'm only going to keep growing it. And I, it's like a game for me to keep growing it. But I, I think it's ha- important to have those, you know, barriers there um, when you're looking for a savings account to not allow you to just completely, you know, keep taking your money out here and there at all times, I'm, you know. I'm not taking mine out at all. I, I'm yeah. just telling myself that 
even though I, I can take it out, I'm, I'm not letting myself. Yeah. So, <laughs> Well, you I, just told the whole poll of listeners too. So now you really can't yeah. right. take exactly. it out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <on> you, <laughs> yes, I promise. <sighs> yeah. I was so excited the first month that I made six cents. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> That's so funny because mine is so bad. I think I make like a dollar every month or something. I don't know. Not even like I, I make like nothing. It's really, I need to. We're getting you into another. a higher one, man. I know. We'll find out if mine is FDIC insured yeah. first and then yes. we'll get you into it. <laughs> um, but yeah. So you had mentioned um, three different types of savings accounts. One is qualified, non-qualified, and tax-free. Can you go a little bit into each of them and kind of, I guess, what would, what would be the ones that we were, we've been recently talking about? What kind of, I guess, what would fall under that? Those are tax, so technically they're taxable. They're what we would call non-qualified, which okay. means all that interest, technically you, you pay taxes on because that's money earned. Uh-huh. And it falls into the gain bucket or the non-qualified. So if you were to just outside of a 401k and IRA, things that are protected, that, that's the qualified bucket. Um, if you invest into, which is in a, what we call brokerage account and buy, let's say Apple. Again, I'm not telling you to go buy Apple. This is purely <laughs> example. Yes. Um, if you buy Apple and it grows buy $200 and then you sell it, right? That $200, um, if it's in a non-qualified bucket, you pay taxes on that. Um, now, how long you hold the, held the position depends on how much, how much of a tax rate you'll pay on it, and that gets very technical, but um, you do need to pay taxes on it. So going kind of back through, when we talk about these, um, you're, you're talking about more of the five-year-plus savings buckets, okay? We're no longer talking about that immediately liquid savings mm-hmm. account where you can swipe a card or transfer and you have that money and you're going to use it within a year. Now we're talking about the long-term savings. Um, so then you get into so many people talk about what you're actually going to be invested in and what, you know, what's good here and what's good there and what's performing well, blah, 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 blah. But another big component that even not a lot of advisors work on this with their clients is tax diversification or tax planning. And that comes into play when you think about the different accounts that you're saving your money for long-term goals. That's when you get into the qualified, non-qualified, and tax-free. Qualified would be the top bucket. Those are things like your 401k, your IRA, your 403b, things that you invest into pre-tax so you haven't paid taxes on. And then way down the road when you start taking that money out, you're going to be taxed at your ordinary income tax rate. Okay. Some people don't even realize this about their 401k. That money, when you put it in, you haven't paid any taxes on on it. And one thing we know for sure is we always have to pay taxes. So you pay taxes on it when you pull it out. That's qualified. Non-qualified is that earlier example. When you just invest or buy something, it grows, you sell it, 
and you pay what we would call a capital gain uh, tax rate if you've held it for longer than a year. Okay, so that's another way that you can be taxed. The tax-free bucket is you invest or buy something um, after tax. And then when you sell it or take it out, it's tax-free, you don't pay any more taxes on it. And that would be like a Roth IRA, um, muni bond funds work that way, um, cash value life insurance works that way. So other things. So diversifying where you save your money for long-term goals that is just as important as to what you're actually investing in and all of those attached. And again, that goes, you know, a little bit deeper than just savings account in your everyday liquid money. Right. Um, but it's something to be aware of. So sure. on any of those, is there a minimum for starting a 401k, IRA, Roth IRA? Uh, you know, is there minimums that you have to have before you can invest? Because those are more, in, are those still considered savings or are they considered investing? That's how little I know about all this. <laughs> yeah. So within each one of those accounts, you're investing. Because if you're not investing, then really there's no point in saving into any one of those accounts because it's just sitting there in cash and you're not, you're not actually growing your money. So that money, you're, you're sitting there and actually losing money because you're not keeping up with inflation. Um, so as far as the minimum question, that is a loaded question. With all of these accounts, there are so many ins and outs, right? With the 401k, it comes into play, do you even have access to one? Do you work for an employer that gives you access to a 401k? Um, so that's because gaining access to it. For people like Angelica and I that freelance and work for ourselves, we don't, there's not a 401k. So what's the, what's the freelancer's equivalent of the 401k? Yeah. So a big one, a go-to for self-employed individuals is the IRA or the Roth IRA. However, the maximum for those types of accounts this year is $6,000. So you can only put $6,000 if you're under the age of, I believe it's 55. Um, you can only put $6,000 and that's it. If you're making good money and you're trying to put more money into these savings accounts for longer term purposes, these investment accounts, you probably want to put more than $6,000 a year. So then you get into set IRAs and um, individual 401ks and all of these different qualified uh, accounts that are available to self-employed business owners. And yeah. what I've heard of a SEP IRA and I've heard that it's good for self-employed people and it doesn't, and it, but the SEP does not stand for self-employed person. <laughs> what does the mm -hmm. SEP stand for? <laughs> uh, simplified employee pension. When you slang terms a lot and every day you just forget what stuff stands yeah. for. And let oh, me I'm tell sure. you, we are like acronym central oh my goodness. here. That was yeah. one of the things. It's impossible. That but. was one of the things I was going <laughs> to next ask you about is if we could do like the initials of EFT and ETF and ah, it's like, so oh my gosh. Yeah. Let's do an, uh, 
acronym, a financial acronym episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I I was like all of us the ABCs of financial acronyms. <laughs> wow. What's funny though about this step is that um, the client uh, told me this because it is so highly used for self-employed. People only assume that you can only contribute to one if you are self-employed, not necessarily if you are a business owner. But the thing is that you can you can actually do have access to a step if you're like a three-partnered LLC. Um, you just get into certain just um, rules and regulations that come with qualified accounts like that, like to make sure everyone is contributing you know, equally and it's not biased toward just one partner and all of that stuff, all the fun stuff that, that comes with qualified accounts. Um, but going back to the minimum conversation, it's, it, it is such a loaded question, but you can always start again. And I always talk about this because we we're getting into investing and growing your money for the long term. There are certain basics that you want to have covered before you even start that paying off debt, establishing your cash reserves. Those are the two main things before you can even talk about investing. And then once you get into investing, if you've already covered those two things, you can start a Roth IRA or regular IRA, whatever you want, with as little as now with the uh, robo advisors, with as little as like $5, $10, $100 a month. Um, that's really up to you. And, you know, I know all these robo advisors offer like zero trading cost for your first 50 trades or something like that. And there's all kinds of promotions. So you can start investing and growing your money for as little as you want these days. Um, But again, before you get there, debt payoff, cash reserves. Always, always. Debt payoff and cash reserves. Okay. And I guess... Just to clear out that definition, cash reserves meaning having a short-term savings account? Yeah, your emergency fund. Okay. So three to six months, if you're an entrepreneur trying to leave your job, probably closer to a a year, um, ideally, Um, but yeah. And... um... What about, I know there's a lot of talk about, well, if you, because the the student loan is such a big debt situation. um, And from my understanding, I guess it has lower interest rates. So you can pay that off, you know, for years. And some people say you shouldn't rush to pay that off. You should go ahead and be investing your money because you're making more money with your money. Um, What are your thoughts on that? Because I know that there's a lot of people that have a lot of different thoughts on those things. That's highly uh, controversial as far as no pay off all the debt first and then invest. So what, how do you feel on that one? I love this question. I love this question because, um, You're exactly right. It all goes back to that very first thing we talked about, interest rate, okay? 
if your student loan, well, and now I have younger clients right out of college where their student loan interest is like 9%, which is horrid. Wow. However, yeah, yeah, so bad. So that would be a um, pay that off first that situation. That would be a pay that off first situation, exactly. But if you are um, of the, you know, lucky enough generation to have student loan debt that's three, four, even 5%, the the concept is if you can start growing your money and get just conservatively say 7% across 20 30 years right if you're making 7% and your debt is only 4 or 5% then you're still making 2% okay that kind of relates to the whole paying off your mortgage and paying off a car interest that's 2%, it all works the same way. So if you can grow your money faster at the rate that you're borrowing money, you're basically borrowing free money. And student loan debt, you can never um, take that out again, okay? So especially if you don't have cash reserves or if you're just trying to start your investment and growing your money, um, there's no point in not making your money work harder for you when you're paying it off to something that you can never borrow again. So using your cash in a stronger manner by saving it in a high yield savings account or investing it um, is, is, you know, kind of the theory behind. So I can't, you know, give advice to the general population of this is what you should do. Right. This is the theory behind um, what you were talking about as far as paying your student loan debt or investing. Right. So that's what you have to think about. Yes. Those are all good things to think about for sure. (laughs) And it's really one of those things where there's, it's not, you're really not wrong whichever one you choose, it's a personal preference. I mean, if you want to go ahead and pay off your student loan debt just to not have any debt, then do that. Mm -hmm. But if you want to use that and make money on, like you said, free money, um, then do it that way. It's really kind of a personal, I feel like it should be a personal choice and up to you. Um, Because there is a lot to be said for not having any debt. And then you can put even more money towards investing and building it in the future. So um, it's always, always interesting to, I've really, since I've started researching money and um, learning about money, I just think it's also fascinating. And um, I, I definitely wish this is all stuff that I had learned a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it fun? Isn't it fun? But at least you're getting it out there and you're Mm -hmm. trying to teach those concepts. You know, that's exactly why I became an advisor because I learned so much in my, you know, year two of buying a house. And and let me tell you, I did not do it the right way. Okay. I was not (laughs) financially savvy back then and I did a lot of wrong things when it comes to home ownership um, but getting that out there and and trying to be uh, trying to teach someone before they make your mistake is really important that's what we're trying to do here <laughs> <laughs> I love it 
open up the money conversation and learn as much as we can and help yeah. everybody else learn right along with us. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and there's so much information that it's overwhelming. It's like that information overload. So it's nice to kind of just sit down and let's just, you know, talk about one topic at a time and, you know, define all those terms because there's, it, there's, it's just a lot. So, um, it's so much, we appreciate you, you know, explaining it so fluidly and easily to understand. Um, because if I went to a bank and they're like, Oh, open this and this and this and this, I'm like, what? what, what do I do? So, um, I, I really appreciate it. <laughs> In fact, yeah. I have a question. You mentioned, um, something that I haven't heard of yet, a 403B. What is that? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's something that uh, people in like nonprofit world or teachers have access to. Um, it is another form of a qualified savings account to allow you to take advantage of saving your money. Because within those accounts, they're also growing without you paying taxes every year, right? That's how the qualified accounts work. So that works for some people. It's just another form of a qualified retirement account. So it's like a 401k. You have to have like a specific job that feeds into a 403b, which is I'm not a teacher. So that's why I probably haven't heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. There's all kinds of. Is it kind of like a 401k for teachers? Would you say? Um, yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily only for teachers. Like I said, it's it's people in the nonprofit world have access. To it. Okay, it's just kind of one of those um, very specific accounts um, that that are geared toward certain professions. So I wouldn't just say it's for teachers, but it can be a really really great tool. But again, the most important thing is understand understanding what is a good fit for you because going back to you know some people will sit down let's just let's just use teachers for an example they have people come in there all the time sit down with them and say okay you have access to your pension and this 403b um you know you should start saving into it and that person doesn't doesn't ask the individual, okay, but do you have an emergency fund? Mm. So why are you saving into this investment account when you don't even have cash on hand to protect you in if something were to happen tomorrow, some, you know, unexpected car crash or things like that. So that's why comprehensive planning is so important um, when you're thinking about your finances, because nobody's situation is is the same. And just offering this one, one size fits all solution without understanding somebody's full financial picture or goals, it, it doesn't make any sense. It's like diagnosing a patient without actually examining them or knowing their symptoms makes no sense yeah right so if someone doesn't have an emergency fund and wants to start saving towards one i guess what would be the best first step for them to take to start saving that money yeah that's coming full circle um with what we kind of started out with Uh was automating and high yield savings open up and find a high yield savings and if you know that you can <clears throat> consistently save $50 a month, heck, if it's $25 a month, just set it up and start saving. So make sure it happens automatically every single month and into a high yield savings account. I definitely, when I started mine, 
I looked at it like you did, Angelica, because I was like, okay, $100 a month. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. And then I was like, okay, I can totally do that. That's $25 a week. I am doing this. That's a meal out that I definitely can do this. And uh, it helps me definitely break it down like that. So... Well, and I think it's important to start small. Like we all, right. I mean, it's so easy to get lost and like, well, I want to have this much money saved. But like, let's just start with how much you can save now. And then you can always increase that amount that you transfer per month, but just starting with like 10, <laughs> 25, whatever it is. And then going from there, you know, see how comfortable you're feeling with it. And then, um, yes. and yeah. then it's like, it's and I just checked way. and I've actually made 33 cents now. So I'm very excited. <laughs> it's gone up. Mm-hmm. It was a good month. It was a good month. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. So in, in two months, wind. 33 cents. Watch out, world. Here I come. <laughs> yeah. It's the small wins. It's like when you're trying to lose weight. You know, you're not going to you're not going to be successful if you go cold turkey and you, okay, I'm quitting alcohol, I'm quitting sugar, I'm only eating (laughs) lettuce, and I'm working out five times a week. That is not going to set you up for success. It is, I'm going to go to the gym two times a week, and I'm going to drink lots of water. You start there, and you build from it, you know. That's so important. I think with anything in life, like you said, with working out, with saving, with all of it, it's, just so important to start small because it's so easy to get overwhelmed. And that's what makes, you know, that's what makes us fall out of those habits or fall out of those goals is, you know, we get overwhelmed with it all and then we're not seeing the results that we want or whatever it is. And so I agree. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, do you think that they should have their state, their cash reserve or emergency fund within the same bank that they have their, checking account in so it's easily accessible to transfer that money or do you recommend it being in a different bank that where it's a little harder to take their money out i think it, i always like a blend right if you have a number like your emergency fund is going to be fifteen thousand dollars keep five thousand in that easily accessible savings account and keep the rest that you probably won't need immediately even if there was emergency at a um, you know other type of, of account because remember if it, if you're at a big bank that savings account is probably going to be 0.01 mm-hmm. um, so keep a portion of it that way you can access it and then it's there if you need it um, quickly but the rest of it just do it elsewhere okay <clears throat> and um, mine isn't mine is an online bank but it is, I can transfer money fairly quickly. I think it's, I think it's like in less than, I think it's like two days or something. And then, so, yeah. um, right. and it may even be immediate there. I've got, yeah, I'm not sure. I'll have to check on that, but it's pretty quick. I think. Yeah. yeah so. Sometimes those banks and that's kind of what I, I was talking about, that 24 hours or two days sometimes um, that there's a, a, a lag Um, but, but sometimes you need to hit a button and transfer. If it's immediate, great, you know, great. Right. Um, But yeah, something to think about. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. And then if someone was looking for a financial advisor, you know, what would be the process? Like how easily accessible is it? I feel like honestly, even as a small business owner, but just as someone who is like in their twenties, you don't really 
first think like, oh, I need a financial advisor at this age. But, you know, it's very, I think it's very important to have one. And so I guess what would be the process or how do you, what do you recommend um, when finding, to find one or anything like that? I get a question a lot. Like when is the right time to meet with a financial advisor, financial planner? And I'm of the, of the, not, not trying to be biased because I am one, but <laughs> I live my life like this or try to is being proactive versus reactive. A lot of people don't ask for help until they already made mistakes or gotten to the point where what they are like, oh, well, now I need to fix things or now I need to try to reshift my mindset because I make a lot of money and I spend it inefficiently. So that's so much harder than starting from the beginning and saying, okay, well, I have this right now, but you know, one day I'm going to be a millionaire because I'm going to be successful and that's what I'm manifesting. But right now, having an accountability partner who's going to help me put the structure in place and have that accountability to make smart money decisions is what we, what we do Mm -hmm. uh, for our clients. You know, a lot of my clients are younger and they're being proactive and not getting themselves into a situation where they've bought this super expensive house and now they can't afford it or they're, they're just making um, less than efficient money decisions. So, you know, there are all kinds of different financial advisors out there. There are some that that do planning. There are some that won't even talk to you unless you have half a million dollars. So again, it's going back to finding the individual who fits for what you need and is going to be there to answer the questions that you're looking for. Well, you have certainly answered a ton of our questions today. <laughs> we covered a lot today. Angelica was like, oh, savings. And I'm like, I think we went all kinds of places. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we could talk for another two hours, though. <laughs> I could talk about this all day long. I live and breathe it. It's in my car and podcasts and books and all that stuff. That's, <laughs> I love it, too. That's great. Well, we always asks our, ask our guests um, two different questions. The first is, what is your definition of success? Ooh, my definition of success is taking a look at the, in the mirror and really understanding who you are and what makes you happy and building a life that fits that. It's not always money related as far as I need to make six figure salaries. I think the older I've gotten, you realize what truly is important to you. Um, peace of mind, freedom, things like that, and doing something you're passionate about. So you're not going to make that sacrifice to do something that makes you miserable. That's success to me. I love that. I love that. Okay. And then also, what are the three words that come to mind when you think about money? Ooh, this is a good one. Mm-hmm. There are so many. Right? So many acronyms. So many acronyms. <laughs> my, no, um, freedom, 100%. Um, accountability, just in so many different ways. And dreams. Oh, nice. (laughs) Love it. 
This has been I could pick so from like a hundred, but those are three. Those are three that come to mind right now. <laughs> those are a good three, I would say for sure. Absolutely. And I'm sure they're always changing. I mean, mine are always changing too. I think that's the purpose yeah. of it. <laughs> I think yeah, freedom so far, I think freedom is the one that we've had yeah. most. I think everybody said that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. True. It's true. I love now, it. Now, can you share where we can find you? Oh, yes, absolutely. You can find me. The easiest way to find me is on my website, amiraprizeadvisors.com forward slash andy.flute. That has all of my contact information, email, phone, all of that. Um, yeah. Uh, I, with our licenses, social media is really tricky. And I know we're in a day and age where everyone wants to follow each other on Instagram, which is great. And you can totally do that. And I always tell people if they want to follow my personal page, by all means, see how obsessed with my dog that my husband is. (laughs) But totally up to you. (laughs) So as a financial planner, you can't really, you can't really Instagram your money stuff i guess is the way that i don't know that's the way that uh your money thoughts i guess you don't you don't instagram you don't turn your money ideas into instagram posts um just with my different types of licenses there's so much compliance around what i can and can't do things that i put out there into the world can be construed as advice and um so we have to be a little careful but I really lead with education and any opportunity I get to share just general basic education on making smart money decisions. I definitely think. Love it. Well, we certainly appreciate you um, giving us information, not advice. And uh, (laughs) we look forward to getting much more of it from you. Yes. I can't wait to have you on many more times to teach us all the things financials. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much. And we will talk to you again soon. Thanks, ladies. Okay. You all know the drill. Please go give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. And might as well hit that subscribe button while you're there. And let's keep the conversation going on Instagram. Share your favorite part from this week's show. And we'll see you next Money Monday. Bye. Bye.